Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I have not yet met in person, but is another match from Podmatch. She's an author, a speaker, and is the missions mobilizer at her church. It's Janie Pitts. Welcome, Janie. Thanks, Julia. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I am curious, what is a missions mobilizer? Do you mind speaking a little (laughs) bit more about what you do? Yes, I'm basically over all of the missions at our church, which means local, national, and international. And so we have 24 adult small groups, and I work with each of them. They each have a missions coordinator, and I equip them to do things with their small groups. And then I also plan national trips and international trips. Oh, that's awesome. Where, what church, where are you located? We are in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. It's about an hour north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and we're in the, we literally, our church is in the middle of a cornfield, which is kind of funny. Um, it's, it's a small <laughs> town, about 35,000. And uh, it's just a great place to be. And the church is New Work Fellowship. Okay. Have you always, are you, have you always been a Kentuckian or is, is this like a new venture? Well, what's crazy, I was actually born in this town and I left for college when I was 18 and never really thought I would live here again. I knew I would come and visit my folks, but I didn't think I would live here. And my husband, I'm, you know, I'm on staff at church. My husband also is a pastor. He is our biblical spirituality pastor. And we got called here, I guess, 14 years ago now. And they didn't even know that I was from here when the church was talking to us. We had no idea. We thought maybe my dad had given the resume or something. And as soon as we figured out, made the connection that, okay, you guys contacted us and you did not know that I was from here. I think, Mm -hmm. I think we came in like a month. I mean, it was just really a quick, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously God thing. Yeah, divinely inspired for sure. I am living in Virginia currently. I live in Richmond. Um, I went to school in Washington, D.C. and then kind of made my way down to Richmond, which is about an hour and a half south. But I grew up, I spent five years of my formative years growing up in Louisville. So I'm somewhat yes, Yeah. And you (laughs) say it right. You've you've got to drew the Louisville, right? (laughs) I remember. So then my family is originally from Ohio and um, after living in Louisville for five years, we moved back to Ohio. I had to readjust my accent again, you know, so now I think yes. I have a little more of the Ohio accent, but, <laughs> yes. um, anyways, I would love for you to share. What else would you like to share about yourself with the listeners? Well, um, I am an author of a new book. It's called deeply defined. And one reason of the scripture that we're going to be talking about today that I chose it is I talk about it a little bit in the book. Um, but the book, what it does is it takes Greek and Hebrew words and it defines them in a very, um, conversational way that is not scary. Um, words that Christians use all the time, but when are asked to explain, they can't quite explain it. Words like grace or mercy, Mm -hmm. holiness, glory. Um, and so it also goes from that first century 
cultural perspective, but I use, it's not stodgy. I use stories. It'll make you laugh. It might make you cry. Um, but it's just one of those things that if you want to go deeper in your faith, thus the title deeply defined, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it might be a great resource for folks. Well, I love that. I'm a scripture like nerd. Obviously, I teach scripture. I've studied scripture. And so I do. I, I love that you look at the Hebrew and the Greek roots, because I think we miss a lot of the text in, in our English language, because we have like one word for love, you know, whereas like the right. Greeks had many. And so and they in very specific definitions and for each relationship. So I love that you dive into that. That's great. So we're going to have a good discussion here, I think, then um, you've chosen Exodus 14 verses 13 through 14. And so I'm going to have you read that for us. Yes. Okay. Exodus 14 verses 13 and 14. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Nice. So what translation are you using, may I ask? This is the NLT, the New Living Translation. Okay, so I have the New American. It's just a little bit um, different. So mine says, but Moses answered the people, fear not, stand your ground, and you will see the victory the Lord will win for you today. These Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You have only to keep still, which I kind of like that keep still at the at the end. But we can talk about it and the difference in the translations and everything. I'm just going to give a little context of where we're at in Exodus. So this is right in the middle of the cross or like the parting of the sea. It's right before God and Moses part the Red Sea. So the Israelites have been wandering in the desert. They've experienced the plagues. And then as we know how the story goes, that the Pharaoh changes his mind after releasing them after the 10th plague. And now they're stuck and kind of trapped at the Red Sea before God through Moses will part it for them. Um, so the Israelites can't go any further. Everything's coming to a head. They start complaining to Moses as they are very want to do and will continue to do. Um, <laughs> but anyways, that's kind of where we're at in, in Exodus. So I hope that gives the verse a little bit more context for, for listeners. But my first guess or question for my guests is why did you choose this verse, Jamie? I chose this verse because I love it. It is packed full of information of how we should react when we're worried, when we're anxious, when we're afraid. Um, You know, I think the Israelites get a bad rap. A lot of times we look at the book of Exodus and we think, oh, they never got it. But I think so many times we never get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think this is one of those uh, verses and passages that we can look at and see, okay, this is, this is how we should act as well. Um, and the Hebrew here is, is just going to take you into orbit. It's so much fun. And so that's the other reason why I chose this verse, because I just think uh, the imagery that it uses is brilliant. And it's just a good reminder um, of how we should act um, when we, you know, are dealing with fear or feel troubled. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I tell my students all the time, because when we do the book of Exodus, my students are like, man, why can't they get it? You know, like, why are they still complaining? Like, God has parted the sea for them. He's done the plagues for them. He's given them manna. Like, why are they still circling? Why can't they just get to the promised land? And I have to remind them, I'm like, we are the Israelites, right? Like we right. think of all the t- this time that you complain to God or you do the same sins over and over and over again. So like, it's definitely, you know, meant to be reflective for us, but let's get into the Hebrew. Cause I, I love that. So you said this ha- is very rich and I would love to know what you have found um, about this verse. 
regarding the Hebrew. Yes. Okay. So we can even, if we just kind of glance back at, at verse 10, we can see that the people are not handling this well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, you know, you set this up um, really well. So thank you for that. You know, they're wandering in the desert and they actually were at Succoth and the Lord told them to go back to Piahiro, which it looked like they were lost. And so Pharaoh decided, all right, you know what? I cannot believe I let my slaves go. Let's go get them back. Mm -hmm. And so he is pursuing them. And then in verse 10, we, we see them. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when mm -hmm. they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, which was a good thing. Um, and then, you know, they went on and then they started complaining to Moses. Um, but this is Moses's response to them. And the, Moses starts out, he tells them what not to do. And then mm -hmm. he tells them what they need to do. And I love that. It's not just don't and it's not just do. It's a really balanced response. Um, and, we, you know, we can learn from it, too. The first thing he says is don't be afraid. Um, so the first thing he did is he he kind of he told them how to feel. Um, and the Hebrew here uh, specifically means don't be afraid of other people. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid. And it kind of infers of those people chasing you. Right. And <laughs> I like to say he, you know, in modern day language, it's kind of like he was saying, people do not freak out. <laughs> Calm mm -hmm, down. Mm -hmm. Do not freak out. But then he says in the to do category, he says, stand still. And that Hebrew is Yatsab, and it means to stand firm or have faith. This is where it gets interesting. Okay, so the, the biblical Hebrew only has about 8,000 words that it uses in the Bible. So one word means 20 different things. Yeah. And what this does is it gives so much depth um, to, to the words because it gives a richness that I think we miss just reading because we read it at face value, mm -hmm. you know, here in America in the 21st century. But it, it's so much more than that because it does say, you know, stand still. But it was way more than just this physical don't move. The stand firm also is it alludes to, look, you need to have faith. And the picture of Yatsab, which is the, the Hebrew word, is to draw a line in the sand with your foot and pick a side. Mm. And so Moses is saying, look, I know you're freaking out. So quit freaking out and you need to pick a side. You need to have mm -hmm. faith and you need to pick a side. And, you know, how many times do we waver from fear to faith, fear to faith? And but when we draw that line and stand on the side of faith, it, it can make all the difference. So Moses says, you know, don't be afraid. And then he says, be still. And then he says, and see. And that and see also is really neat because it doesn't just mean look at something. It doesn't just mean just view it at face value. That word is raw and it means to see an accuser or a spectacle. So Moses is saying, you're about to be blown away. You are not going to believe what you're about mm -hmm. to see. So look, mm -hmm. don't freak out. 
You need to pick a side. You need to have faith. You need to stand firm and you need to watch the spectacle of what God is going to do. And and when we understand that, what Moses is saying is so much stronger than just, you know, don't worry, um, you know, have faith. Mm-hmm. I, I think so many times we just take it at that and we miss that that richness of it. But it gets even better because, you know, he doesn't just say, don't freak out, pick a side, watch what's about to happen. He Then he tells him why. And he said, look, the Lord is going to fight for you. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times God fought with his people, like not with against, but with like went into battle with right. them. Right. But this time he fought for them. They didn't have to do a thing. Mm-hmm. They just had to pick a side, stand firm in their faith and watch. And then that just stay calm. I love how yours is translated. Be still. Mm-hmm. It, it means relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my my favorite be still. There's all kinds of be stills in the Bible. Um, yeah. But my favorite one I actually have on my bathroom wall. It's from Psalm, Psalm 4610. And that's the be still and know that I am God. And that picture of be still, it's different than this Hebrew word, but we still can link it because both have the same be still, right? Um, the word in Psalm 4610 is Rafa. I think it's my favorite word that I defined in my book. I did like over 50, but this one, I think I tell myself almost daily. Um, it's a picture. Again, remember that Hebrew 8,000 words, everything has a picture. The picture of Rafa uh, of be still is to clench your hand in a fist as tight as you can, but then it's to open your fist. And the idea is to relax and to let go and to, to have faith. And so that be still, when we put all of that together of what Moses is telling the people, it is this a beautiful act of, of faith. And it's one of the first times that they actually get to practice it is, is when, you know, this army, which is the greatest army in the world at that time is pursuing them, but they're told, Hey, God's got this. Yeah. I love all of the imagery that you just mentioned. The one that kind of sticks with me is that line in the sand. I'm thinking then like later in, in Exodus and in the Torah, you know, they're again asked to choose a side, right? Like at yes. the Ten commandments after that, like, it's like, again, guys, which side are you on? And this time, literally, like you're not coming with us. You're not entering the promised land if you don't pick this side. And then I just think about, um, like Jesus in the New Testament kind of drawing in the sand with like the woman caught in adultery. Like I love yes. that image of of drawing in the sand and like taking a stand and 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 what you described. And that um image you mentioned of the hands being open and the line that I have of like only to keep still. It's like we just have to receive, you know, but that's easier right. than, said than said than done sometimes because we do want to fight. Like the line you explained that in this situation, God is going to fight for them, which is so beautiful. And you think that's what we all want. Like we want like God to fight for us and us just like stand and receive. But for some reason, it's so hard. Like we want to get in there too. We want to do things our own way. Um, and just standing on the sidelines and kind of receiving is is hard for us sometimes. I don't know if you want to respond to any of that. 
Oh, totally. I mean, that's that's what I think about that image of Rafa. When you go from a fist to open hands, mm-hmm. you're going from a fighting position to a worship position, mm-hmm. you know, and if and if we can be still and know um, and, you know, and this is to to chase kind of a rabbit because we're talking about Exodus and not the Psalms first, but that no um, in Hebrew, it's an experiential knowledge. You know, in America, we just, to know something, it's cerebral. Mm-hmm. We learn mm-hmm. it, we memorize it, we know it. But that's not in the Bible when it talks about knowing God. It's not talking about cerebral knowledge. It's talking about experiencing him you know, on a, on a cellular level, of course it's knowledge, but it's more than that. It's that relationship. It's being filled with peace and filled with joy and filled with all of, all of the things that we can only get by his spirit. Right. And that's, as you said, spirit, I was thinking like the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned like in Isaiah, um, you know, that that knowledge is not what I teach to my students. You know, I'm like, don't pray for the gift of knowledge and like expect to do well on your algebra test. Like that's not what we're talking right. about here. It's like, you know, it's for spiritual knowledge that 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 peace that you were talking about, that knowing God. Um, there's so much, like you said, in this verse so we've kind of explained how it relates to the people in this situation, the Israelites at this time. What, How can we apply this verse to our lives today, do you think? Oh, so much. I mean, yeah. how many times do we have, do we get free of something, a, a thought or a fear or an anxiety, whatever it is, we're finally free of it. We think we're doing great. And then all of a sudden it starts to, to pop back up and it starts to chase us. And we have that mentality of, of being enslaved, which is what these people did. You know, they had for 400 years, they had been enslaved. And so when they saw their, you know, the, the people who had kept them in captivity, pursuing them, they immediately forgot that God was in control, that God had delivered them in amazing and miraculous ways. And I think sometimes when when fear tries to take hold of us, we forget that God is the God of the universe and that when we submit to his will and strive for obedience and, and, try, and strive to know him more and live in his will, he's got us. And, you know, whatever thoughts or, or anxieties or fears or whatever it is that try to enslave us, um, our God is bigger than that. And we don't have to be afraid. And we do need to draw a line in the sand and we do need to stand firm and we do need to watch what God is going to do because God will fight for us and we can remain calm and be still. So it, it totally relates mm-hmm. to us today. Yeah, I like when you're mentioning, you know, in the context of them have just being freed from slavery right before um, in this verse, they're talking about like, you know, why did you do this to us? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Let's just go back and, you know, like go back to slavery pretty much, you know, like far better for us to be the slaves of Egypt than to die in the desert. And I think that does relate to us as well, because rather than like let the Lord handle something, you know, we go back to our sin rather than like maybe try to take that step towards freedom from that sin. We'll go back to those bad habits. You know what I mean? Um, Oh, totally. And we'll do, you know, that picture of being still, we'll grab on to something, you know, maybe a bad habit or something like that to try to have control when what we really need to do is, is let it go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I also was thinking too about um, like Abraham, when God tells him, you know, you're going to have a son 
you know, he couldn't even he had to kind of do things in his own way or like they got in their own way, him and Sarah, you know, by with Hagar and Ishmael, like they kind of got in their own way rather than just like going with the plan, like letting God, like trusting that God was going to have it unfold in the perfect way. And there's just so many stories in scripture. And then obviously for us today too, like how many times we've gotten in the way, like we wanted to fight with God or instead of letting God fight. I just, I do love that, that image. I don't know if you wanted to respond to any of that. Yes. No, I I think that we can see it, you know, in so many biblical passages where people, um, you know, have to have to overcome, um, I guess, their humanity and step into their faith. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I mean, I, I think of, um, I mean, Peter walking on water, you know, mm-hmm. he did it and he was doing great because he was walking in faith. And as soon as he took his eyes off, man, he just sunk right down mm-hmm. um, because he, he was afraid and he was, he was trying to control. And, um, and there's, I, I'm sure there's tons of others. We could probably brainstorm and come up with a list of, 20 if we wanted to. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing to me how ancient these stories are, but how we still can, we, you know, this is, that's the beauty of the inspired word, the divinely inspired word, the living word, right? It's like these, these stories still give us life and things to think about and meditate on and to apply today. Um, What else would you like to say about this passage? Is there something else that you found in your research or? um, Well, there's, there's an, there's another link. If, if you, if you chase that, you know, um, just the Lord himself will fight for you. Just be still. If you chase that, be still, there's another be still in Mark. And it's, I think it's probably the most famous. Um, and it's where Jesus calms the storm and he's, you know, he's in the boat and, uh, it says that there are other boats with them. And so the the disciples are afraid. They wake Jesus up and he immediately calms the storm. And I love that we see we see the same God here in the New Testament as we did in this Exodus passage in the Old Testament mm-hmm. is the first thing is he didn't want them to be afraid. You know, he 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 calmed their fears when he calmed calmed the waves. Um, but in that in that particular passage, I love that it points out that there are people in other boats that experience that as well. And it makes me think, okay, who are in other boats that need to hear this concept of being still? Don't be afraid. Draw a line in the stand, in the sand, stand firm in your faith. Watch what God is going to do, um, because it's up to us to to share with those people and to tell them, hey, you know what? It's OK. I, I know that you're afraid or I know that you're worried or I know that you're anxious. But let me tell you how I've experienced God in my life. And I think that that's something as Christians that we're that we're called to do to encourage each other and build each other up. Absolutely. I love that the Hebrew language like you're making all these connections, like these phrases that are used in this passage are also, and intentionally, like we shouldn't say, you know, there's no coincidences. <laughs> like it's intentional. Right. These, these words that are used in the Old Testament, then again with Jesus in the New Testament, it's intentional to show that relationship and the connection and that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these prophecies and covenants in the Old Testament. And I love that. And that's why I like geek out on scripture. And I'm so gl- grateful yes. to have a guest like you that can like draw our attention to it. Um, I want to go back to like, since you were talking about fear 
And now we all have that. And and Moses tells them here to not be, you know, to not be afraid. Um, That makes me think of when I talk about angels in the New Testament um, to my students, like when we look at like the Annunciation in Luke's gospel, you know, it's like the standard angel greeting. Like the first thing they ever say to anyone they appear to is just like, do not be afraid. And we kind of talk about like, well, why do you think that is? Because, you know, this is this messenger from God. You think it would be like this cool but also, obviously, it's very jarring, and I would imagine I've never seen angels, but I can imagine that it might be a little bit jarring. But I don't know. I just yeah. thought that was interesting. Like, like Moses channels that here. He says, like, do not be afraid. But it's always funny because, like, obviously the people are freaked out, you know, just here and also in all those stories with the angels that I talk about with my students. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and that reminds me of, you know, God is not a God of fear, but right. of power, love, and self-discipline. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and, and you even see that in this verse. You see the love of, hey, don't be afraid. You see the power because you see what God is going to do, you know. And then you see yeah. the self-discipline of, I'm not going to let this freak out get the best of me. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and dig my heels in and and stand and watch God be who I know God can be. Yeah, that's so funny that you said that. I literally just recorded last week with a guest who picked two Timothy one seven. Like they, we oh, it's so talked fun. Yeah. So I love that you connected it to this because this will, you know, come out probably right after that. So it perfectly connects. I love when God does that. God totally lines up all of these readings so perfectly. That is awesome. I know. So how do you think we can, like, maybe some practical ways of how can we have those open hands and draw that line in the sand and stand our ground and be still like, do you have any tips for us on how to be better receptors in these moments? Yeah. I think the whole thing about not being afraid is being plugged in to, to the Lord, having that time alone with him, reading scripture, praying, um, you know, listening to, to worship songs, even just really having him in the forefront of your mind and, living in that relationship. You know, God isn't somebody that we just go to once a week because we're supposed to. He's, he is our creator, you know, the Lord of our life, that we have a deep, tight relationship that he knows us better than ourselves. And I, there's absolutely no fear in a relationship like that. So that don't be afraid, um, I think would be very important just to cultivate that relationship on a daily basis. And then that just stands still. I think that the more that you stand in faith, the more that you do it and you see that God is faithful, the easier that it becomes. I don't know that I would ever say that it's, oh, super easy. But the more you do it, the more you know that God is faithful and you can stand there in the hardest of winds because you know, okay, you know, he told me to be here, so I'm going to be here and I'm going to watch. Um, and then I also love, you know, it's not just be still, but it is watch. It's not be still and turn away and cower in fear because we've got that. Remember, we're not supposed to be afraid. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's watch and look and see what God is doing in our lives. I think God is constantly moving in our hearts and in our lives, but we can miss it if we're not looking for it. So I think that's another important thing that we can pull out of this passage today. And then, you know, I do think it's important for us to remember that we don't always have to take things into our own hands. You know, God will fight for us. Sometimes the best way we can fight is on our knees. Uh, You know, we don't, we don't 
always have to engage or always have to do whatever. Sometimes the best thing we can do is fight on our knees and watch what God is going to do. And that's, I think that's another thing, another way that we can experience him. And then the last part, just stay calm. That's just good advice all the way around. <laughs> just yeah. stay calm. But it's so know? like the, the stillness is so hard, I think, in our society. I mean, we had an opportunity to be still, I feel like, in 2020. And it was really hard for people, obviously. And I mean, the circumstances around that, too, were not <laughs> desirable, obviously. But we had that moment to kind of like, I don't know, experience stillness in a, in a different way. And then I don't know about you, but last year, then once things started to be lifted again, it was like immediately back to busyness, you know, and I, yes. I'm trying to find now a way to incorporate that stillness and that space that I had two years ago, you know, with a little bit more of the normal that I'm used to. So I just, I don't know, like creating that stillness, it is so important, but it's so hard. It is balance. Yeah. That life work balance. Do you have any advice to how to create the stillness? <laughs> Actually, my husband got his doctorate in um, the doctrine of the Sabbath, which it's the fourth commandment, mm -hmm. but we usually mm -hmm. just blow right past it. But um, it's so important. We actually um, practice Sabbath where we just try to rest and, and you know, not do any work um, on that day. Uh, we'll do fun things. Like if I want to go in the garden, we'll go in the garden. Or if we want to go for a hike, we'll go for a hike. But I'll try not to do anything, you know, church related or, or book related on that day. And it really makes a difference to have that work rest balance. So yeah, I mean, practice of Sabbath is, is huge. That's a really good advice. It's so, I mean, it is a commandment. And yet we definitely, I think we do. We just kind of skip right over it, like you said, or we think we're observing it when for me as a Catholic, like going to mass, like, oh, check that box. I did it, you know, and that's not yeah. what we're observing the Sabbath means, you know, like if we're looking at the biblical, they did not do any work. They thought Jesus was blasphemous for like preaching, you know, and, yes. and walking through the, the grain fields and picking grain. And, um, you know, we're, <laughs> I struggle. I, you know, I work with students and, they don't even go to mass because they're playing their sports games and, you know, we need time to do those things too, but it's just our priorities are kind of all, all over the place. Like we don't even give time to rest on the day that we're commanded to like rest. Right. So, right. Yeah. We're getting towards the end of our time here. Are there any final takeaways you'd like to leave us with? You gave us so many uh, beautiful things um, relating to this passage, but what would you like to leave us with finally here? Um, well, I guess if you, you know, if you liked this podcast and want to know more about the Greek and the Hebrew, um, I would love for you to get my book. It's called Deeply Defined, Understanding Who You Are in Christ. Awesome. And I'm going to um, just kind of take away with like just this. I love that line in the stand and like making that decision, standing our ground and then trying to make more space um, for stillness. I It's Lent right now. So my Lenten practice has to be spending less time on social media and trying oh, to use yeah. that time where I'm like scrolling <laughs> to actually yes. use that time inten intentionally instead of like mindlessly. So I've been like reading more and like doing yoga and just trying to like make more intentional, you know, space with that, that time. But I just think that that be still and that, yeah, that letting the Lord fight for you is just a beautiful image. So I'm going to take away all these images that you gave us. Um, where can we find your book? Where can we find it? 
Yes, you can get it on Amazon.com. Um, it's on Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Target.com, Walmart.com, um, and I think a couple of other places too. So you can go to, to any of those online. If you go to Amazon, you actually can hit the click inside button and read the first two chapters. So that's kind of fun. You can see if it's, you know, for you or not. But I will tell you too, in the back of the book, um, every word that I define, and there's more than 50 words that I define, there is a definition section. And that way it's, it's meant to be used, you know, with your Bible um, so that you can make notes and things. So when you read your Bible, it deepens what it means for you. Yeah. And so you can use it as a reference as well once you've read the book. I love that. And I'm just, as a, like a scripture person, I just, I love that you took the time to research all of that. And I'll definitely have some questions for you when we get, when we wrap up here. But <laughs> yeah. um, if you all would like to follow me on social media, even though I'm not really on it right now, I will, I'm sure, be back with a vengeance at Easter. But um, you can find me um, at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out on Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter at Miss Druckley One. I tweet about what I'm doing in my classroom. And I'd love to hear from you. Anybody who would like to chat with me about scripture, please hit me up on either of those platforms. And Janie, thank you again so much for doing this. Oh, Julia, thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. Bye, everyone. Bye.